Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. The Word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made God known. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you've spent any time at all reading the book of Revelation, you may understand why it has somewhat of a tarnished reputation. It's officially categorized as a book of prophecy, the only one in the New Testament, and it's full of complex and bizarre visions uh, that seem better suited for a Netflix horror series than our book of sacred scripture. In terms of our history with the book as Reformed Protestants, Martin Luther claimed at one point that the book was neither apostolic nor prophetic, Zwingli didn't recognize it as a book of the Bible at all, and it's the only book in the New Testament that John Calvin didn't write a commentary on. And I get it. The book of Revelation is wild. And in most recent history, it's often used as a tool for doom and gloom predictions about the end of times, the apocalypse, when God will destroy the world as we know it with waves of fire and plagues. From that perspective, it's not a story I'd want to read, and this futurist interpretation of the book of Revelation really just sets us up for failure. Christians have used the book to predict the end of the world in the years 380, 500, 800, 1224, and many others. And yet, here we are. People have claimed that the Antichrist or the beast referenced in the book has already reared its ugly head in the person of the Pope, Martin Luther, or any other political leaders over the course of history. Still, here we are. On top of that, this futurist interpretation shakes out to be self-centered at best. If the beast was, in fact, let's say, a political figure from the 21st century, a purely futurist interpretation leaves us wondering how this book could have influenced Christians of the first century when it was written. What did it have to do with them? Why would they have bothered putting it in our scriptural canon? If the book of Revelation is merely a prediction of the future, a future with no definitive date that we can decipher anyway, why bother with it? As I was thinking about this question, I started thinking about our own tendencies to be too future-oriented. What do I want to do when I grow up? When can I get a new job? What am I going to do in retirement? This tendency shows up especially at this time of year. New year, new you, right? Whether or not you buy into the resolution-making tradition, even if you haven't said it out loud, how many times in the last few days have you thought to yourself, this year I'm gonna blank. This year I'm gonna go back to the gym. This year I'm gonna eat better. This year, I'm going to travel. This year, I'm going to read 12 books. This year, I'm not going to worry so much. This year, I'm going to get myself together. 
Once the page is turned from one calendar year to the next, we have a tendency to put on our, our futurist blinders. 2022 is gone. Here we go, 2023. I'm ready. I'm not here to say that goal setting or resolution making is a bad thing. I think there's value in looking toward a positive future outlook. But just like a futurist interpretation of the book of Revelation can set us up for failure, so too can a shallow intention or goal for the new year. For example, let's say someone's New Year's resolution for 2023 is to work out five days a week. Spoiler alert, in 2022, they worked out zero days a week. There's nothing wrong with that goal, but oftentimes we set a goal like this thinking to ourselves, if I just make this one simple change, everything else will fall into place. I can totally do it. It only takes 66 days for a behavior to become a habit, right? The problem is a goal like this that is only future-focused sets us up for failure. Without any real reflection on the past, a performance-based goal is statistically doomed to fail. Not to mention it affect, uh, the effects your goal might have on others in your life. How will a strict five-day-a-week workout schedule impact those around you? Maybe for the better? A futurist outlook alone doesn't do us any favors. Looking forward also requires us to look back. A futurist interpretation of the book of Revelation alone leaves us with very little practical application. But when we look back at the historical context of the work, we begin to see the possibility that this wild book of prophecy might have something to say to us today. Chapter 21 is near the end of Revelation, but it's the first time you hear the voice from the throne, presumably the voice of God. The author sees a vision of a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And the voice says loudly, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. God will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God says, look, I'm making all things new. It's easy to interpret this as a future prediction. Clearly, this literally hasn't happened yet. Here we are, on the same old earth. Death and sorrow and pain are very much real, but surely this message is one of hope. It was, at least, a message of hope for Christians in the first century. There's been a shift in scholarly opinion about the exact context of the Christians that the author of Revelation, John of Patmos, is addressing. They were likely not persecuted to an extent once thought. Most Christians living in the Roman Empire probably actually lived low-key lives of faith. Yes, they would have been persecuted for their religion if they made it public, so most just complied with the government-sanctioned religious rituals or the rituals you were likely to encounter in your social and professional circles. Many Christians likely lived out quiet lives of faith and compromised their Christian views when it suited them socially. John's purpose in writing this text was to encourage these Christians not to compromise. He wanted them to live their lives not out of present pressures, but rather out of their vision of the future that derives from their faith. A different future outlook makes for a different life, after all.
The outlook of the book of Revelation is one of hope. Hope for the Christians that first read it, and hope for us today. There is hope in the vision of God dwelling among us. There is hope in the message that God, the creator, at the beginning, the all-powerful embodiment of love at the end, that God is making all things new. Not just sometime in the future, now and always, from the beginning to the end. When we look back at what the book of Revelation was saying to early Christians, we read a message of hope. Hope that offers us a different outlook for a different life. Hope that is a driving force that pours out of us in all that we do. If God is creating all things new, what opportunities could possibly be out of our reach? If God is here dwelling among us, what could we possibly lack? What struggle can't we tackle? This past week, I was reading Silent Night to our children at the 4 p.m. Christmas Eve service, and one of the preschoolers looked up at me right in the middle and says, what is the dawn of redeeming grace? It was such a good question, I panicked. I answered him, but I think my hurried response didn't do such a great question justice. What is the dawn of redeeming grace that we hear about in that beloved Christmas carol? Looking back, it's a God that created us in God's own image. It's a God that sought to be with us, to dwell with us from the very beginning. The dawn of redeeming grace is Jesus Christ, born to a young girl in a humble stable. The dawn of redeeming grace is the life, the teachings, the death, the resurrection of our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Looking back, we have seen the dawn of redeeming grace in the face of Jesus. The Gospel of John says that we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace and truth came into being through him and has made God known to us. Looking back, we are able to see the dawn of redeeming grace through Christ. Grace that sets us free from sin and our tendency to turn away from God. Grace that forgives us when we compromise what we know to be life-giving for things that we know are not. Grace that has already been given and will always be given. Looking back, we're able to look forward. The dawn comes every day. As we think about the coming year, sure, it's nice to set goals. But before we do, let's look back. How did we feel in 2022? How is our soul doing? What made us feel depleted? What made us feel whole? Where did I find joy? Where did I let myself see God at work in me and in my life? Where may I have missed it? Looking forward, hope is our driving force. Hope is our reminder that God is always making things new. Hope has the power to pour forth into all that we do and all that we are. A vision of hope makes for a vision of the future. 
but we can't forget grace. The dawn of redeeming grace is here, and it is new every day. That means when we don't go to the gym or say no to a bagel, God still grants us opportunities to seek health and wholeness. When you don't make it to Greece or Italy this year, God still grants opportunities to experience something new here. When you don't finish all 12 books that your friends recommended, God offers you new ways to learn and grow. When worry overcomes you, redeeming grace reminds you that God is in it with you and that worry is not permanent. When you get yourself together just to fall apart again, God will be there with grace upon grace, always ready to make things new. Friends, our faith, our God, offers us the life that we've always wanted, a life of abundance and joy, a life of truth, a life driven by hope and grace. Let's go live it. Amen.